This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, United top the table, but what will they do in the cup? D let it slip at Saints, and we talk a bit of Scott. Hello and welcome to Twa Teams One Street, episode 236. I'm not Tom Duthie, as you can tell. There's only one out there, thankfully. Instead, it's George Cran here in the hot seat today. Uh, this this week's Twa teams is having a bit of a shake-up. Some fresh faces trying to grab that first team shirt. Uh, our, it's our own special tribute to the SPFL Trust Trophy. Uh, what are you trying to say? <laughs> no, you've got a chance, lad. You've got a chance. Did these get the diddies? No, no, no. <laughs> Um, Tom Bear and Alan are all away this week, uh, leaving me in my lonesome back. Thankfully, I've been bailed out by our own Fife man, Craig Cairns, who's going to tell us a bit about the Fermlin and all sorts. Hello. Hi, Craig. Thanks for coming on. And it's a big welcome back to his old stomping ground for Ewan Smith. Yeah, and I, I need to remember it's not 60 minutes of talking about our broth. Well, I had to, that's what my next line in my wee notes was. I'm going to set a timer for how long it takes him to mention our role. So, didn't even get to set the timer. <laughs> um, obviously, it's a, a different sort of week this week. The league action takes a breather. Um, Dundee don't have a game, so we'll kick off with United. They've got a big cup match. Um, I'm not sure how, how they'll treat it that way. Um, but top of the table, Ewan. It's where they want to be, not conceding goals. Goals are going in at the other end. They may not have been 100% happy with the performance. I know Jim Goodwin certainly wasn't, but looking in decent shape, aren't they? Yeah, they are looking in decent shape, but I think probably this the start of this tournament for Dun United fans is just a, another reminder that they're in the championship. <laughs> and I know, I know they're reminded that every week when they're playing the league games, but this is just a further sort of reminder because they wouldn't have played in this tournament had they stayed up. But... Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the league form, they've started as, as well as they possibly could. Albeit they did have that draw with Dunfermline that I know Craig will, will talk about, but um, they've started really well. I think probably without seeing a lot of their games and reading and looking into what they've done, I think, admittedly, I think they're probably the best performance of the first day of the season against Arbroath. Um I believe they probably did well away to Air United as well. They got a comfortable win down there. But Saturday against Air, by all accounts, they scored really early on. Fantastic goal for mm-hmm. Kujo, third goal in four games for him. Um, and then he scored right in the last minute. Um, I have to say, when I first saw the goal, um, I wasn't aware of the context of it. Um, it looked a horrendous goalkeeping mistake, which it was. But if you put it into context, you're in the 94th minute, they're it's pushing up. He's, he's, there's time, a yeah. reason why the keeper is where he is. And yeah, he, makes, he misplaces a pass, which is a, a horrendous mistake. But... Yeah, you can you can contextualise why that happened, but equally, um, Kai got his first uh, goal at Tanneris. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic player. Um, we can maybe talk about him later about some of his qualities. But all in all, great start for Dun United, I think, and uh, they go into this tournament whether or not they take it fully um, seriously <laughs> or not. I don't know, but they should do because I mean it is a chance of silver at the end of the day. So. Yeah, and Craig, you've. Obviously, you, you cover Wraith Rovers and Dunfermline, so you see plenty of the championship. The rest of the teams must be having a wee look at United and thinking they're, they're looking kind of ominous, the form and the way they're they're picking up results and not conceding goals at all. Yeah, I think I think that's the... I'd say that's the main thing for me as well. They're not conceding goals. I witnessed at Dunfermline last season. It was the bedrock of them running away with League mm-hmm. One, basically. Um, and I think that if that's your... If that's your basis for this championship season, um, you're, you're on to a winner, really, because it means matches at the weekend against Airdrie there when you don't play at your best. And Dunfermline, ironically, did this to Dundee United a wee bit a few weeks ago. They kind of went toe to toe them a wee bit, but um, they frustrated them a lot. But when you have games uh, that you don't do very well in, like they did against Airdrie, you can still come out with a with a comfortable with a comfortable win. And mm-hmm. if that sets uh if that sets a tone for the rest of the season, then yeah, that that's a great characteristic to have. As is, it'll be disappointing that they dropped points to Dunfermline at home. But as is getting a last minute equaliser, that was something else that um, Dunfermline did quite a bit last season. They they dragged themselves back into matches when they weren't playing well, or even when they were playing well and dominating, and somehow found them selves behind so mm-hmm. yes they're definitely displaying characteristics that uh champions usually do 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, there you go. Our usual host, Tom Duffy. four games in, like. Yeah, well, Tom, <laughs> Tom Duffy has, has them win the league by October on this podcast. Mm. So, um, I don't think it'll be as easy as you think. <laughs> no, it's the championship. But I think we're seeing uh, clearly uh, the benefits going first, actually, for United. I think the only game, obviously, they could see the first was that the family game. When they score first, they, they, they look very comfortable and, and mm-hmm. taking on the game, I think. Um, you mentioned Cujo. Great start to the season. It was a fantastic finish. Um, really well set up. Uh, Louis Moult, I think, laid it off to him. And it was a really confident finish. Um, and fathering him out, I was actually I was speaking to Lee Wilkie regarding his column at the start of the week, and he he mentioned that he'd coached Fotheringham uh, under 16s, I think he said it was. Mm-hmm. And he said at that point, he was a really, really composed finisher. Mm-hmm. And he's not surprised that when he got that chance that he stuck it away because... That was one one thing that really stood out for him, aside from his work rate and his all-round ability. So from a United point of view, it's great to see another young player getting mm-hmm. on the score sheet and then doing it with a bit of style. Although there was no goalie, but it's, there's a bit of pressure on that kind of finish, isn't there? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on that finish. And to be honest, one thing that I, I noticed about Kai um, when when I was working at Dun United was his attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, his attitude's absolutely spot on. I think. That's what Lee says as well, yeah. Yeah, wait, wait, yeah. I, I think he was out in Lawrence Cove Rangers when I was there, and he came in and he wasn't really getting a regular start for them or a regular game, but he was coming in with a positive frame of mind every day, and he was he believes in himself. He's not got any sort of arrogance or anything. He's got confidence, he's assured, but he's got a great attitude and he wants to get down to work. And, yeah, I mean, he's come in, and by all accounts on the pitch, I mean, he's, he's very... I think even last season when he came into the side, last season when they were... Towards the end of last season, when they looked like when they when they were going down, mm-hmm. he came in and made an impact towards the end of last season. So, I I think he could be a big player for United, not just this season, but in in the years that come. The commentary for uh, that goal at the weekend was pretty funny when um, the commentator described him as rolling it into the net, which I thought was doing him a little <laughs> bit of a disservice, given that he was in his own half. Um, but going back to the Kujo goal, I think um, what was kind of really important about that is there was a lot of players involved in that goal that uh, have something to prove. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly the, the order of it all, but Declan Glass puts the cross yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Kujo finishes it. I'm trying to remember, there's someone else involved as well. Middleton's involved in it as well. So it's like a few players, it's a really good move, and a few players involved that have got uh, something to prove at Dundee United this season, I think. And it's, as I say, getting yourself off to that great start because. Having seen Airdrie uh, against Dundee, I was I had no surprise to hear that they kept the ball really well and mm-hmm. and they were they were really tidy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are suffering uh, playing against them. They'll cause a lot of problems this season. Yeah. So I, I don't think it should be underestimated. I think not losing a win. goal to them should yeah. be underestimated. Well, if you look Alan at had that they're stat, fin- yeah. yeah, their phenomenal goal record. You know, um, they will come up and be one of the surprise teams in the league. I think they already are starting to make an impact. I genuinely think they could be. Top five, top six. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not writing them off as a relegation. I know it was. It was quite easy to do that at the start of the season because it's Airdrie mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. coming up, and we maybe didn't know a huge amount about them at this level. Um, but they scored tons of goals last season. They keep the ball really well. Quite a nice team to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, that's the way I, I saw them against Dundee. Although they were a bit lucky against Dundee with the, the late penalty, but that was another game that they scored a goal in, and they didn't do that against United and. That was United without really their first-choice engine room. Their, their two players in the middle of Ross Dockett has been really good since he came in. He's made a real impact um, in the middle of the park. Obviously, he was out injured. Craig Sibbald's been out for a, for a wee while. That kind of goes back, Craig, to what I was saying about United looking a bit ominous to the other teams that they can they can get by with missing a couple of really key players right in the middle of the park. They've got Grimshaw to come in. Yeah, there was a lot of... Um eyebrows raised when they decided to keep Jim Goodwin on but I think that was a I think that was a sensible decision for where they were not only for the continuity and the the the, the positives that were there even though they had gone down uh, from his time um he's experienced in in that division and he has identified what they what they needed what they were missing Doherty mm-hmm. was one of those sign-ins Grimshaw was another one of those sign-ins and he's filled in it both uh right back and Step, like these games, stepped into midfield. I think he's played alongside Doherty a couple of times as well. But he stepped in mm-hmm. to, to that. And that that was what people were saying before the transfer window 
closed uh, this time last year that that's what Dundee United were lacking. That's what people were saying in January that Dundee United were lacking. And he's uh, he's gone and made good signings in that area. And uh, yeah, he seems to have... Uh, he seems to have a really sort of solid system and everybody working well within it at the moment. And and we were speaking about them not, something I meant to say earlier, we were speaking about them not playing very well in this game. They still hit the post. They scored, still yeah. scored twice and hit the post three times. I, so. Yeah, I think Goodwin was talking about maybe not keeping the ball as well as it would yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. so the, while there were elements that it wasn't their best performance, it was still, it was still a pretty, they were still pretty formidable in the final third of the pitch. And it just was, Talking about the signings, we'll maybe have a wee look back at the transfer window as a whole, but it's certainly Goodwin, as you say, identified the basically a new spine of the team, a new goalkeeper, two new centre backs, Docker in the middle, Moult up front. And so you could see that he, mm -hmm. very quickly he realised mm -hmm. where he needed to strengthen. It looks like they've done that. Um, interesting to see how he approaches this one on Saturday because obviously the league's all important. It's the only thing that really matters this season. But they've got the Challenge Cup coming up, and they're filming at home. You still want to go and win that, don't you? You do, but you know, part of the problem is if you if you shuffle the pack too much and you get a bad you result, can, yeah, yeah, absolutely, it can knock you off the counter. So there's, I would be tempted just to, to go as is. You know, maybe give a couple others a chance, but I don't think they're carrying a massive squad now either. That's mm -hmm. the thing. Um, we saw Constable getting his, his debut. That's fantastic. We'll probably talk about that later on, but... Um, that's symptomatic of the fact that they're probably looking further down and, and trying to pick out from the younger players. I mean, they've loaned out a couple of players as well. Well, um, I think that's mainly because of injuries. I think that he got his chance on the bench and then mm -hmm. they had the opportunity to yeah. stick him on at the end. So it's not going to be a great opportunity to shuffle the pack then? For, yeah, for the you know, I think he, he might just give a couple of guys a, a wee rest and, and try something out a wee, a wee bit different. Yeah, I think... Um, I think most managers in the championship anyway will look at look at this uh, tournament, especially the early rounds of it anyway, as a chance to give some friend. They still want yeah. to win. They still want more of these games effectively, so you can like have more games where you're bringing, give, giving people people working their way back to fitness some first team minutes or uh, giving some fringe players a chance to impress or whatever. So I think quite a lot of managers. I as both they want to progress, but they want to use it in a smart way as well. For instance, Wraith are going to use uh, hopefully bring Aidan Connolly back this weekend. Um, Kane Ritchie Hosler make make his first start for Dunfermline after coming off the bench last yeah. week. Um, so things like that, I think, are more likely to happen in this match that they maybe wouldn't take the same sort of risks in mm. a in a league game. But I still think still think the managers go in wanting to because if you get to the later rounds and the fans do get excited and you can a day out for a final exactly and the, the finals are a decent spectacle and all that kind of stuff so yes I, I think the, the the longer you go into it the more um, people get interested and want to win but I do think the early rounds there is there is quite a lot of experimentation that goes on uh, I think I don't know uh, as you say Dundee United do have quite a thin squad so there might be a couple of youngsters come in that are maybe uh, haven't had much game time recently but I, I think Dunfermline um, will definitely will definitely make some changes not wholesale but I think they'll still make make a few changes yeah well you'd expect James McPeak knowing his history that he'll he'll want to put out a strong team at Tannadice yeah aye it's it's actually it's a it's a difficult one but, yeah because that gives it a bit more there's a bit more in it for him. Yeah. Yeah. And there's quite a few Dundee connections in the Dunfermline <laughs> team as well. So <laughs> always yeah. goes down well at Tallinn. But at the same time, they were just there in a more important yeah. fixture a few weeks ago. So I don't know. I don't know what that does to this weekend. Yeah. Well, that, well, we might as well get on to Dunfermline. Obviously, you see them a lot more than, than us and, and more than United fans that are listening. Um, how have they been shaping up this season back in the championship? They're still light up front, mm -hmm. so they're still they're still struggling there. Funnily enough, they scored the only goal that Dundee United have conceded in yeah. the in the championship, and funnily enough, it was Craig White. And but um, mm -hmm. they he's he he's a doubt for this weekend. Um, but in general, they are they're they're lacking a couple of strikers. Their business otherwise has been very good, um, very good defensively. It seems even though they've lost their first choice keeper on the eve of the league season to injury and had to bring in Harry Sharp on loan. XC United. Dennis, Dennis Mehmet, obviously well known at Tandice. Exactly, yeah, and um, he and set clean sheet records last season, for instance. And then Harry Sharp's come in, and is, is, he's made a 
he made a big mistake at the weekend there, but to be fair, he's been pretty solid mm -hmm. other than that. Um, especially the circumstances he's been thrown into, and he's still on the young side for a for a goalkeeper. But no, they've got the second best defensive record in the championship at this early stage, which kind of continues mm -hmm. uh, what they set last season. Um, and they've got yeah, they've got they've got lots of good options, and they've got a few players that they're still bedding in uh, youngsters uh, that they've brought in like Summers and Moffat, and it's just up front. They just need to. Kubiak's been in training with them. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be any movement on that this week, but yeah, they need they need someone like Kubiak and probably another another forward option. But they're they're looking they're looking pretty good. Other than that, you expecting them to approach this one similar to the the last meet? Obviously, it was only a couple of weeks ago, but you expect them to approach it in very much the same manner. So I think they drew our broth last season. I can't remember if it was yeah. this round or the round after, but um, he. Made a fair few changes for that. I think it was it was largely the the team that had been playing from week to week because again they didn't have a big squad last season. But I'm sure he brought in a few players. It wasn't as um, it wasn't as I don't really want to talk about the that changes. Game. No, no, but I'm just sitting here waiting for you to move on to another. Subject, it wasn't as I many don't... changes as Dunfermline as our both made because I think they made like nine or ten changes to their team that night and uh, and were made to pay for it. Uh, made another three at the break or something. But uh, so yeah, I think you'll make a few changes for for this one. Well, as, as we kind of mentioned, wondering how many changes Jim Goodwin might make. We talked about Scott Constable coming off the bench, mm -hmm. um, becoming United's second youngest ever player behind Rory McLeod. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was reading Alan's stuff uh, at the start of the week, and he listed the top five, I think, or the the five youngest players that ever played for United, and they were all in, in the last few years with it. Um, maybe the last four or five years, which tells you the approach that United have had mm -hmm. over the, the past few years, that very much blood and young players, and it seems to continue with the young Scott. I think uh, the owner, Mark Ogden, said it quite a few times, that mm -hmm. the academy is a cornerstone of the club. And I think um, I think particularly under Tam Courts, I'll say there was a lot more of the yeah. regular appearances for the younger players, maybe less so since Tam left, but... Equally, it's really important to give players that first-team experience, even if it's bringing Scott in and letting him see what it's all about and giving him a taste for it and al almost motivating him. This is the level you can get to regulate mm -hmm. if, you, if you put the effort in. But then sometimes you can throw a youngster in and they just absolutely nail it from yeah. the off. You know, they absolutely uh, lift it. I mean, I, I guess... I guess if you're looking down to England, Wayne Rooney, 16, went into Everton. That's a bit of a comparison. No, I'm not, I'm just, Scott, no I'm not, I'm not <laughs> suggesting Scott. the pressure on already. I'm just saying if you put a young player in and they yeah, nail yeah. it, they can, they can really make it their own. But equally, great for Scott, great for his family. I know, obviously, it wasn't that long ago that Rory made his debut, I think, against Motherwell. He, mm. he came off the bench. Because um, I, I was there that night, and I can remember writing that he was the youngest ever yeah. player at that point. And believe it, I think Chris Mockery, who... Uh, is that the family was 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 the yeah, yeah. one prior to that? So they're all very very recent history, as you see, and um, it is symptomatic of the policy that Dun United have adopted. And they may well we may may well see a bit more of them this weekend, or, or another couple of United youngsters. Mm -hmm. Just the, the nature, as we're talking about, there might be changes. The other end of a career, um, we obviously saw this week Charlie Mulgrew hung up his boots. Uh, final club was Dundee United um, maybe not the most popular when he finished but over his career and his time at United I mean how would how would you assess it Ian? Well he obviously uh, came in I mean I think United really gave him his first real break when he went on loan for yeah. Celtic and um, he played in a different position when he, when he came in then I think he was more attack minded and out at that point yeah. actually um, but I think United fans liked him then um, and I think for his Pretty much his first season anyway, uh, the United fans really liked him. Um, I think uh, they, they they embraced him and they thought he was fantastic. I think last season was difficult for Charlie, but it was difficult for a number of Dun United players. And I think um, towards the end of the season, I think some of the supporters were looking for scapegoats for, for, for why they were going down. Um, my belief is that it's a collective thing that, that meant mm -hmm. the Dun United went down and collective, I'm not even just talking about 11 players in the park or a squad, I'm thinking as a club maybe collectively they didn't get it right um, and that's why it happened. 
Um, it's unfair to maybe point the scapegoats, but I think Charlie was made one of the scapegoats. Um, I was certainly, I was at the Kilmarnock game, um, his last appearance, and I just went along to watch it, and I was I was in the shed um, watching the game with, with my son. I uh, went along to watch it, and he was getting it, particularly from the section that we were in, he was getting quite a lot of abuse at the at the end of that game. You can kind of understand that, being the, a senior player, and he's, he's quite... Outspoken yeah, and, no, and I do get up front. Yeah. I do get it. And I think um I'm not I'm not in any way excusing it because I mean I think Charlie probably would say himself that maybe some of his latter performances for Dun United were not at the standard yeah. that he is capable of. I mean, um I think there was a game up at Ross County yeah, towards that right. as well yeah. that, that him and Ryan Edwards both had. Mm. But if you look at his career as, as a whole, I mean, I think he won five league titles at Celtic, two Scottish Cups and a noise at Celtic. He's played forty four times for Scotland. Um, he's had some very, very top-level performances. Um, so you have to balance that out, and you can't just say, oh, well, he's gone away. He's had a great career, but maybe Charlie himself has looked at that and thought, maybe it is time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we saw down in England, we saw was it Ben Foster, who's only, was only a few games into his season down there, and he's he decided that point, which is different from what Charlie's doing. Charlie's yeah, yeah. not started the season, but sometimes a player just says, right, that's the time. And Charlie's obviously got other things on his mind. I mean, he, he started his coaching badges when he was at when, uh, Dundee United. He'd been given a coaching position mm-hmm. under Liam Fox. Um, he's obviously been involved in media work as well. So um, I don't think it's probably the last we'll have seen or heard of Charlie McGrew in Scottish football. I, I doubt it. Um, maybe... Didn't want to drop maybe down the levels. We see a lot of players do that. Some players don't like to do it. I, I get the feeling that the way things ended at United, I, I can't imagine there would have been offers from from other Premiership clubs maybe. So you can kind of understand that maybe just time to, to call it a day. But mm-hmm. I think over his time at United, obviously, as you say, it ended poorly and... It's maybe just looked like a player come to the end of his career towards the end. The mistakes started creeping in that hadn't been there previously. Uh, but I thought he was very good last season, or the season before, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, and in a Scotland shirt, I thought he did excellent as well oh, no, for a long fun. time when we were short yeah. centre-backs. Yeah, phenomenal. And, yeah. Do, and, and in midfield. Yeah. And yeah. in a poor Scotland team for many years as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. one of the, mm-hmm. the bright spots in it. Absolutely. And the one, the one thing you could never level at Charlie McGrew is that he never looked after himself. I mean... As a as a professional, he probably looked after himself better than any one any professional I've met. You know, he, yeah. he was uh, he was really concerned about his diet. I mean, he talked he talked he did an interview in the past about how he went vegan for a long time, mm-hmm. specifically because he felt it was going to be better for prolonging okay. his career. He um, he absolutely looked after himself right to the end. You know, so fitness anything like that was not a concern. So. Um, or 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 application. You know, I don't I don't think. I don't personally think that you can point the finger of blame and saying that he's not applying himself, but it might just have been like you say, mm-hmm. it's getting to that stage and maybe he's taking a thought over the summer. He probably did have options. He probably did have offers. He would offers, have had offers. But yeah. it's maybe not the offers or the options they, that he, he yeah. wanted. I did notice uh, when he announced his uh, retirement that the one club that really made an effort was Blackburn Rovers. They they made a, they oh, went yeah. they went to town and made a video compilation yeah. of the stuff that he'd achieved down there. It's probably a bit disappointing for his perspective that other clubs didn't do the same thing because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he's he's achieved things at other clubs as well. But but Blackburn obviously put that out there. So, yep. And well, obviously we won't be seeing uh, Charlie Mulgrew on the pitch. But interested to see who we do see on the pitch uh, in Tangerine at the weekend. Um, but I think now we'll we'll move across the street and go to Dundee. Dundee don't have a game this weekend, obviously, being in the, the top flight. Uh, Get that in early, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dundee, is it Dundee's premier club now? Is that what it is now? You take over? Uh, well, I think, I mean, it uh, may not have finished quite the way it maybe should have on Saturday, but I think they're maybe Tayside's the premier club at the moment, uh, oh. if you just look at the table. Flag makers out then. <laughs> yeah, well, I th- yeah, we'll see. When was um, the last time they won at McDermott Park? 2017. Yeah. It's just, it's, that should have been broken, I think. We're just going to talk about that. Um, because not having a game is probably the thing that Dundee don't want uh, this weekend, having to sit and stew a wee bit um, after letting that one slip. Uh, obviously, I was there covering it for for the Courier and the Tilly. 
um, from a Dundee point of view. And I have to say, I've never seen a Dundee team play like that at McDermott Park uh, and dominate quite so much for 80 minutes. Um, they were totally on top. St Johnson, I thought, were, were pretty poor. I wasn't impressed with them at all. Obviously, they showed a bit of grit to get back in the game, but I think Dundee have to kick themselves for the way things ended. They had the chances. Um, they got themselves two goals to the good. Bakayoko getting his first goal. Um, he assures me 100% it's his goal. And judging by celebration, I think it probably goes that way, even though it's gone down as Tiffany's goal. Is that what's been places. officially recorded? Well, as? in some places it has. Um, You're going by celebrations. Players players that don't think it's their goal normally over egg no, celebrations. I have watched the videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've seen the goal as well. Yeah. yeah, Tiffany doesn't touch it. I think it's just gone down as Tiffany's goal initially because it looked like he might have touched it. Yeah. And it just hasn't been changed since. Um, because there was a VAR check and we had to sit and wait for a wee bit, which is not a part of the top flight that I'm enjoying, I have to say. No, I, I hated that. Um, hated that. And I think it was to look at whether Tiffany touched it because he may have been offside. Um, so I think that maybe tells you that he didn't touch it. And it's it's good for Bakayoko to get off the mark. Second half, Ricky Lamy capped his debut. He's pretty solid. Um, I think he'll get better because that was his, his first game since July, I think. Um, and his first 90 minutes, I think, possibly since the start of the year. Mm -hmm. um, he lets that cross in for... Is it the second goal he lets the cross in? But... Um, He's having to do that thing where he's got his arms behind his back so that it, it doesn't... I thought it was Shaughnessy. Oh, was it? Was that the Am first goal? mixed up? Maybe. Yeah, but I, I feel like the reason it doesn't... One of the reasons it doesn't get stopped is because... Uh, so maybe it's Shaughnessy, sorry. Um, he's having to do that thing where he puts his yeah. arm behind his... And it's just so... It, it's so strange now that that's considered natural. So if the ball hits your hand <laughs> when it's behind your back, that's It's just that's the fear natural. of VAR, isn't it? That's but if it. it's out by your side and up a wee bit yeah, then that's not people don't natural. normally walk about with their hands behind their no, back that or so, go out to block so it's across not really natural. or run yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so yeah it's it's a very it's a very bizarre situation we've got ourselves into but I think I heard uh, Tony Dock say afterwards that he was more bothered that they didn't stop the cross rather than uh, prevent the goal when it's in the box but um, I, I think that's part of the reason is because the, that that's the way defenders are able yeah. to defend a lot of the time. Though. I mean, he could have got well. It, he was outside the box. He could have handled uh, it. it. Exactly. Yeah, that, um, that was one of the things about it that he maybe is going a bit overboard. But yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Uh, well, obviously we're on to the goals uh, given away when things went bad for Dundee. Um, I've kind of talked about how, how good I thought Dundee were. Was there the something chances. in the game that that kind of switched that kind of changed the momentum? In well, the, if, of the match or? if. Uh, if Tiffany, Tiffany was throwing a goal, if he'd scored that, it was game mm -hmm. over. I think Dundee would have run out. They could have scored more goals after that. I think it would have been and it would have been justified. Mm -hmm. um, but was there anything that Dundee did differently? Were they just trying to protect their lead too much? Well, or? there's been a fair bit made about the subs made uh, by Tony Dockett and fans aren't happy with the way the team ended. Um, right. There's surprised me to have to say that he took off Malachi Boateng. Um, he, he swapped him for Silla, Mo Silla, who's been decent. He looks like a, mm -hmm. a destroyer, a guy who can win the ball back. It was kind of like for like. Uh, young Ryan Howley came on for his debut, looked okay, but didn't do a huge amount. Charlie Riley came on for his debut uh, on the left flank and looked pretty nervous, I have to admit. Um, I, I can't imagine that's. I, I can only imagine that in training, he, he would have been. Mm. It's far more than that. A chance you to give him a chance get, to get a chance you may get loaned out this month. Possibly domestic loans open. Yeah, it's yeah. still can't till the end of the month. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, he was very good. He's in been the unlucky with his injury. Reserves last week. Was I wonder whether that's um, part of the reason why he's been given a chance in yeah. the first team. Well, that's um, what that's what I mean. I, I it looked nervous to me, and I can't imagine he would have been nervous in training and, and in that reserve game, and, and that's why mm -hmm. Tony Dockett's been confident enough to, to stick him on that. So, it does it does seem like it sort of substitutions, which it, like, it, nine yeah. times out of ten works. You're too, you're in a comfortable position, exactly. and you're just trying to give some players minutes, which, as I say, it happens every week, uh, and, and most of the time you'll see yeah. the game out, or you'll take one of those other clear-cut chances that you've created so it is, it is very unfortunate i think i think yeah they just ended up i think i think in hindsight i think maybe the manager would maybe 
do things differently if he, he had another go. They just ended up with two guys making their debut, young guys, mm -hmm. and Silla who'd only played 15 minutes previously. And I think maybe there was a lack of cohesion or, or whatever. It's, I mean, it's a new squad. Um, these things do happen. I mean, they should have defended it better. But both goals, I have to say. Mm -hmm. uh, Owen had a bit of stick as well for, obviously, it was his man, Max Kuchiri. Kuchiriavi. Kuchiriavi. But you just, we I, just I say we max. We just say we max. No, I thought I was going to nail that and I totally missed it. <laughs> and that. letting we max score um, a header, yes, that's criminal. It was his man, obviously. <laughs> um, I, I, th I, I agree with Madge. The cross should have been stopped, I think, in the first place. Um, the second one, I, it was just a bit of a mess. Dundee should have cleared it and they didn't. Um, but Beck was absolutely outstanding. Mm -hmm. um, before that, he, he was the best player in the park by the but a fair distance. Um, the guys on the kind of sister podcast, the Courier, have been comparing I've seen them to Andy Robertson. Yeah, yeah. 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 it cost a bit of stushy, I think. Don't think United fans yeah. were that happy, but you can see you can see the the mould that Liverpool they've got the Andy Robertson mould, and and they're trying to get Owen Beck to be that because he was an attacking midfielder when they signed him as a, as a youngster, and they've transformed him into a left back. But he he looks absolutely outstanding, really good. In defence, although he'll admit that he probably maybe could have done better with the goals, but that, that's kind of what happens with a young player, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's not going to be the finished starter mm -hmm. coming on loan to Dundee. He's been sent to Dundee to yeah. iron out these, these errors, unfortunately. I mean, for Dundee fans, that is... That, that, that's that's my show. bugbear, I have to say, yeah. with unknown defenders, but yeah. I'll make an exception. No, it is, it is, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we're seeing it across the city. Ollie Denham's been sent up by Cardiff City mm. to Dundee United to iron out mistakes. Unfortunately, he's made a couple of mistakes and can't at the moment the team, of time yeah. he can't get back in the team. So, um, yeah, but I mean, by all accounts, if you're saying, I mean, it does sound like he's he's got he's got a lot of attributes to go far and um, Liverpool is a fantastic ground for, for a young player. Yeah. I mean, and they give young players opportunities as well. It's not a club where he's, he's got it. It's not a club where Chelsea historically were just like signing all these players spending, well, they spent over £2 billion and then young players are, are, are struggling until Lampard came in. Obviously, he gave a lot of young players yeah. opportunities there, but it's, it's not like that. It's a club that historically I, has brought players through. So he will be coming thinking, well, I can come and make a massive impact up here. And there isn't a... A, a roadblock when I go back down mm -hmm. to Anfield. Well, he's starting to do that, and, and Jurgen Klopp has spoken really, really highly of him uh, in the past. They gave him a five-year contract. I mean, you don't, they don't just hand those out. Um, they obviously have think there's a big future there. Um, but I'm interested from you guys, obviously looking from afar. I mean, how, how do you see Dundee's start to the season? What have you made of it? Going into the season. I mean, I, I actually thought they were going to struggle more than they are at this stage, but I thought going into the season that it would probably be okay. I quite liked the business that they were doing and looking around the rest of the league, I thought there was going to be enough, enough poor sides in there for Dundee yeah. to be safe. And I st I'm still thinking that at this, this early stage of the season, but I, I didn't think they would have uh, as many points as they do just now. I thought... Um, because of the amount of business and turnover of players yeah. and a new manager, yeah. I thought it was going to take a wee while to bed in. So it's really good that they've managed to get off the mark with what they have so far. And I, I think they'll improve. I think, um, I mean, I know somebody like Ricky Lamy has his has his flaws, but I, when you've got like uh, Trevor Carson, Ricky Lamy and Joe Shaughnessy, it's pretty dependable, you're it? already yeah. better than a yeah. lot of the bottom six with, yeah. with that. So, and if you're talking about how Beck's got a lot of talent and to go back to what you're saying about loan defenders I think that's kind of like the payoff you get with loan players in general isn't it they're going to be able to do things that the players that you can afford yeah. aren't going to be able to do yeah. but you're going to have that's to just true. take the odd mistake and yeah. stuff so yeah I think there's a lot to like about Dundee there and um, Bakayoko looks like he's got something about him as yeah, well I think he looks like the kind of player uh, we didn't really speak about his all-round performance but his all-round perfor performance was pretty good in this match not just his goal. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to like about Dundee. And I don't know if this is a backhanded compliment or not, but I think there's I think there's going to be uh, enough poorer teams in the league for them uh, well, this season. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I was trying to come up with something from a columnist this week, and then I looked at the league table, and I was like, Aberdeen are second, or equal bottom <laughs> yeah. with St. Johnston. When, yeah. How did that happen? 
And yeah, I've got to say things like that as well, yeah. I mean, Thursday the, games can take it out of teams. I mean, I, I do think yeah. that did happen to Hearts last There's season. A bit and there was a big improvement in Hearts after uh, <laughs> they came out of Europe. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something the same with Aberdeen because their squad's been... I've been surprised with some of the starting lineups they've been putting out in recent weeks. So I think Aberdeen are a wee bit in a false position. Hibs have changed their manager and probably start yeah. coming up the league. Hearts, um, are, Hearts are struggling a bit. They've mm -hmm. changed their manager, or have they? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Let's not get it. <laughs> I, thought Liv I thought Livingston at the start of the season yeah. was a team that struggled. I thought uh, so Because, too. I mean, obviously, we know that they had to cut the cut the finances down, and I know that they've been desperately trying to cash in on Joel Nubley, mm -hmm. um, balance <laughs> the books, clearly. Clearly, I, I, um, and do not, I genuinely thought they were struggling. I know that they're... They're just sitting just in behind Dundee at the minute in the table, but mm. I still think that they might be a side that'll be down there. Um, and I know that you're just almost picking them out and thinking, oh, well, they're the smallest club in the league and everything like that, so they're probably going to be a bit down. But they're I, generally what happens when yeah, money, yeah. money talks, doesn't it? I wasn't sure. I, I mean, I, to, I, if I'm perfectly honest, I thought Kilmarnock would be right down there, but and I know that they're lower than that just now, but they're two wins over Celtic and Rangers yeah. have kind of thrown a spanner in the works for what I think about that, because clearly... Uh, being able to do that once against an old firm team, you can see, oh, we played really well that day, but to be able to do it against both old firm teams in the same month yeah. says that you've got a bit about you. So, uh, And just yeah. from a, a Dundee point of view, they've obviously played, they were they were beaten at Simmer and they were really poor in the first half, had a better second half, maybe could have snuck something. Drew with Mullerwell, and it was a pretty even game. They're second and third in exactly. the Exactly, that's what I mean. <laughs> they've been really strong starts. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean... I, I've looking at the way Dundee have started, and this may change when they play Celtic next away, um, or we can just ignore that. But I haven't seen a huge amount to be overly fearful of from a Dundee point of view. I, I, I think they are still bedding in in terms of a squad and, and a new manager, and he's still seeing how players react when they're on the pitch, maybe, and, and things like that. Um, Is it sixteen new players they've brought in? Is that if you include John McCracken? So. Yeah, I suppose he he's, came in, he's in and out. In and out, yeah. yeah. And I think, maybe wrong, but I think it's 19 of last season's like senior squad that are no longer there. Yeah. So it's a big change. Wholesale, wholesale changes, but then but new, ma not new, man like new manager wanted to bring his new team Exactly. But they've not looked like a. Watching that game on, on Saturday, which St. Johnson have obviously done a lot of business later, but they've signed a lot of players and changed a lot of their team, but they looked. Bit disjointed at times. Dundee haven't looked like that, which uh, is all credit to Tony Docherty, I have to say. Um, and I mean, even at the top of the table, Rangers and Celtic have been struggling a bit by their standards. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's a big gap, but yeah, it's um, annoying that Celtic are still top unbeaten, even though they've been <laughs> yeah. pretty. Are they not firing at all? Yeah, and, yeah. and you see, Rangers are not firing at all. It's there's nobody in the league, to be honest with you, yet that I'm looking at saying they're sensational. St. Myrna probably playing well. That's yeah. probably picked Motherwell. Yeah, Motherwell. Yeah, St. Myrna. Good. Yeah. Um, obviously, Dundee have uh, Celtic away next, which isn't ideal, but yeah. um, you have to play that game. Uh, be interesting to see how, how they approach that. They'll have two weeks to work on it, and, and that worked out quite well for the uh, the Hearts game the other week. Um, but. Well, I might go a wee bit geeky. I'll, I'll take a leaf out of Ewan's Stato book because uh, I was having a look at, through the stats for Dundee's start of the season. And I know not everyone's cup of tea, XG, but it tells you basically it's the best way to figure out how good your chances are that you're created. If you look at the entire division, Dundee are third in that for XG, for chances created. Mm -hmm. So obviously they haven't played Rangers and Celtic, which would skew it maybe. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, but that tells you everybody's played everybody once. That would probably be yeah. a true reflection. Yeah. But it's, it tells you that there's there's good things. Yeah, they're, they're going in the right direction. I would say that's why I, I took out a looking at the stats, and they're not giving away too many chances. They're looking pretty sturdy at the back. Um, so uh, yeah, I think they're looking okay. I have to say, but very positive. This is the most positive I've ever seen you in this podcast. I mean. It's Celtic away next, so I mean, it could it'll all come crashing. Oh, down. I'm getting till, this out before that starts. Should we wait till yeah. next week and then we'll see how positive you'd have been in the podcast? But <laughs> <laughs> normally, this is normally the depressing section of the podcast, the Dundee <laughs> section. Well, they're the Tayside's Premier Club now, aren't they? So, <laughs> see, you're all positive with Scotland. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, we'll get on oh. to Scotland after. Um, obviously, no Dundee game this week, but there's, there's a big story going on in terms of football fans. Uh, getting 
buses to games and, and all this new law that the UK government are trying to bring in. I haven't got all this stuff in front of me, so I won't get into the, the details, but it seems, frankly, pretty bizarre that uh, maybe trying to solve a problem that doesn't seem to be there. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know, have you guys been speaking to Franz from the clubs you cover and what they're feeling about it? Well, f- from my perspective, my son goes on a supporters bus yeah. every week. He goes to a Brof Games home and away. Um, and I just looked at the proposals, and I know it's under sporting events and not specifically football, but it does seem clearly, like clearly it's probably going to impact on football more than almost any yeah. other. Other the, sports aren't mentioned yeah. in the document. Yeah, but also... Also, how many other sports have got that regularity yeah. of supporters buses going uh, that, you know, if week in, week out with the amount of people that are travelling? Um, I don't really understand the reasoning behind it. That's the first mm. thing for me is what what problem are they trying to solve? I think they're just trying to stoke a argument. I honestly just think it's that. I think that's what this next election's... I mean, I know this isn't a politics podcast, <laughs> but I think the next election's going to be fought on... Uh, on things like that, on issues that stoke people up. And I, the only logical explanation I can see for this, I'm even surprised it's a reserved matter, but I, the, the only logical explanation I can think for this... It's not entirely, though. That's, they're, they're, they're yeah, know they're going to yeah. get a reaction and it's going to cause a bit of debate because Hamza Yusuf's already come out against it. The SFA and the SPFL have come out against it. There's lots of other politicians in Scotland that have... Uh, come out against it. So the only logical thing that I can think of is that they're just trying to stoke an argument. Mm-hmm. And also, also the, the key point is, and I watched this last night, is it's, it's guidance, and it, and and it's whether you choose to apply the guidance. And I saw him so Yusuf saying that they would not, not choose to apply mm-hmm. the, yeah. apply mm-hmm. the guidance. So it could actually just be a whole bureau, bureaucratic paper exercise that doesn't actually amount to anything uh, at the end of the day but just rails football fans the one yeah. thing the one the one impressive thing for me is how uh, the football community is united that's exactly it. i was going to say that it's really good to see that pretty much unanimous across the board not the many SPFL. things do it i don't i no. i saw the spfl's uh statement and i was like oh the spfl made a good statement <laughs> yeah they did <laughs> on the money they did, <laughs> they did. So. but yeah but from i guess from a, if you look if you drill down to the what they're trying to do um it just sounds ridiculous you know i yeah. mean they, they want they want to register all your passengers 48 hours in advance and supporters buses are not run like that no. supporters buses are run by somebody pitching up at five minutes before the bus going and saying can i go on your bus it, that happens i mean i know they sell out and stuff like that but then they sell out and then people drop out and things like that it's yeah. not manageable they're talking about um having to stop off a place where it where they, they have a, a proper meal. That's just going to lead to, a, if that does happen, it's going to lead to a whole farcical situation. I mean, my my, my friends are uh, joking in a group chat saying a pint and a pot noodle. That's the level that you're getting at with, with it. You know, it's that kind of, kind of, it's just... It's that just, was like uh, during lockdown when that guy went and ordered a scotch egg in a pub so he could drink. Yeah, <laughs> um, It's like a similar kind of thing to that where people kind of bend in. But it has such a knock-on effect. I mean, that has a serious point within it because mm-hmm. if you're a social club or whatever it is that hosts supporters buses yep. and then all of a sudden you have to have them all yeah, having a sit-down yeah. meal yeah. or whatever it is, right. then you're restricting the numbers that you can have in. And that's mm-hmm. already before you... I mean, this is already going to have an impact and restrict... Businesses that are mm-hmm. putting on these things, like the bus companies and the the, the supporters clubs that are doing all the all these things, will be affected by the numbers. And yeah, it just seems like, as, as somebody already said, it just seems such an unnecessary yeah. uh, issue to sort of uh, go I'm, after. Yeah, I'm feel like I'm living a bit of a sheltered life. I didn't know pubs did pints and pot noodles. I didn't know anything. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> think they do that yet. But I think that could be the new, the latest, the latest phenomenal. <laughs> I think it it could be a. It could be, but yeah, yeah. The point, the point you're making there about the impact on other businesses is mm-hmm. a point. I mean, I know that a couple of weeks ago, my son went down to Greenock for the the Martin Abroff game, and their supporters bus stopped off at a bowling club, mm-hmm. and that bowling club, and they go there every single time they go to Greenock. It's like that's the that's the place they go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if other clubs that are travelling to to Martin games go to the same club, but. That's a hell of a lot of business that they're potentially missing out. Yeah. From a bros perspective, it was one busload of people. But you, if you're talking about a club that's taking three, four buses, mm-hmm. and maybe a couple of those buses are stopping there, it's a lot of money that that business loses. For what reason? For what end? I mean, yeah, I know. It's bizarre, bizarre, isn't it? Why just supporters on buses? Why not? I mean, what what what's the difference? What why why are they just going after the ones that are on supporters buses? Are the ones on trains not getting up to the same? Uh, 
causing the same trouble that they think, or the yeah. ones that are like driving in their cars or or whatever. I mean, what, why is it just supporters' buses they're going after? It, it's Easy not target, like a, maybe. I don't it's know. just a certain percentage of football fans. Yeah. It's just it seems bizarre. I'm also not aware of us being way back to the 1980s or the, the style where where it, there was a real hooligan element. Where there was a bit, problem. Where yeah. within, I know that there's there's uh, young ultra teams coming up and stuff like that, and they're not always they're not always behaving appropriately yeah. at games, but they're not completely bang out of order where people are turning up at football matches and feeling unsafe within a stadium. Mm-hmm. I mean, this for me, this is weird because we're coming... I thought we were actually coming to a stage with football where, in Scottish football particularly, we might be looking at reintroducing alcohol at yeah. football grounds. I genuinely thought, well, do you know what? It's about time we got that back in. Mm-hmm. You know, be sensible about things like that. But this smacks in the face of that because it's essentially... It's almost saying to people, you're, you're going to have to travel a game and be dry. Don't drink. It's just that's almost su- what they're trying yeah. to do. And Assuming I know, everyone's a hooligan, that's yeah, a good I know. Kind of thing. And people, their Saturdays, I mean, what impact could this have on crowds? I mean, genuinely, I mean, because yeah. an away day experience for a fan, the, it, it's, it's a whole experience, not just going for the 90 minutes of football. Ah. I mean, we'll talk about Scotland later. I go to a lot of Scotland away trips and... The 90 minutes of football sometimes is an inconvenience to be honest with you in <laughs> yeah. Scotland game. Not recently, yes. but it has been in the past. But I know that on a Saturday, people live and they don't, people don't look and say, oh no, I've got to go away from home or I've got to go to Dingwall. People say, brilliant, I'm going to Dingwall this week. Yeah. Um, and they're not going up and necessarily causing trouble. So I think treat people with respect. It's just, I go back to a game, a Scotland-England game I went to years ago and the policing at the game was phenomenal. It was really, really well done. It was sensible adult policing. We went to Wembley. We walked up with the England supporters together. Mm-hmm. No problems, no segregation walking up. And we came out together and the police, and there was no issues because we were all treated like adults. The second that you start putting restrictions in the place, yeah, yeah. the second you start saying to something, you can't do that, that's when people rebel and that's when problems actually mm-hmm. start. Yeah, we'll get on to the Scott stuff now, I think. But power to all the supporters on buses and all the football fans out there. Hopefully we get this sorted out as quickly as possible. We'll finish off this week with a bit of Scotland talk. As Craig mentioned earlier, it's all positive on the Scotland end as well. Um, I think you might be right. We may have never had a podcast where one team's top of the league, the other team's quite... Pretty happy with the way things are going, and, and mm-hmm. Scotland are top of their league as well. Yeah, uh, with a big game in, in Cyprus, it's, it's, it's must win, isn't it? Mm, I think a point would be all right. I think Nick. a point would be all right. Yeah, I think we. I think Scotland need Spain five points play. from their remaining fixtures to mm. guarantee qualification. So, I mean, I think it would be slightly disappointing to come away from a team with no points. Uh, with 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 a with a draw, but I don't think it would be a disaster. I I still think like if you look in the the overall context of the results since Steve Clark took over, I, I think we're we're in a great run of form. Uh, I remember there was was it was it last summer or something? There was a wee bit of disquiet because of a couple of results. There was yeah. the Ireland game. I know he didn't do the real rubbish in that game. Brilliantly yeah. in the Euros, but even taking those into consideration across his whole stint as Scotland manager we've we're on a great run of results so while it would be slightly disappointing to not all but ensure qualification with a win in this game I still think a draw wouldn't wouldn't be an absolute disaster and Spain might get chucked out anyway so (laughs) (laughs) all the stuff that's going on I suppose um well they tried to chuck themselves out didn't they but that's another matter um (laughs) well what how are you feeling about it Ewan I don't I subscribe. Think, I don't subscribe to what Craig's saying at all. I think we need, draw. We need to fine. win. We need to win. I'm not saying we, I'm not saying it's a must-win game, but I, it's almost a must-win game for me because you put the we've got the foot and accelerator right now, yeah. and we need to get past and we need to get down and get to the finish line, and we're almost there. We win. We win this game on Friday, and I actually think we've qualified. We've not mathematically qualified, but I we could be ninety percent. Well, something well, like the that. interesting fact of results go away, so I think we need. I believe we need Spain to win as well mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, which is believable that they're going to win. And then we need a draw in the Norway-Georgia match on Tuesday night, which is at the same time as Scotland play England. So we yeah. could be in an ironic situation on Tuesday night where we've got 50,000 Scotland fans, or almost 50,000 Scotland fans, because they've taken the majority of the tickets in that game at Hamden, 
losing 3 0 in a friendly match to England, but <laughs> celebrating because we've qualified for the Euros. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think we've. I, I think we'd have to do something spectacularly uh, bad to not qualify. I think. Uh, yeah, after that last match, I was confident that we were. We were, we had qualified. Well, that, that's that's where my worry is with the Cyprus game because they're obviously been the weakest team in the group so far. It's probably, we're a better team than them. Yeah. I mean, it's fair to say, but it's away. It's going to be hot. I'm not, I'm not, I'm genuinely not worried about the game on Friday. I think and we'll be and okay. Comes, I'm, I'm worried about yeah. Georgia away, yeah. I have to say. Georgia away, I've been to Georgia away and it's a disaster. Yeah. I mean, that night was, that was actually a night where we could have gone really close to qualifying that night and that's my fear uh, yeah. we're not that Scotland <laughs> anymore this is the I've been I've been to all the home games at Hamden I think mm. I've been to the last 10 games at Hamden I've been I went to the island game away which was horrendous and that was you're right and I and it, but that was that just was a blip I think in the, yeah. in the form that we've End had season game, we, we're it? not that Scotland anymore we're the Scotland that have got we're a lot better than yeah. a lot the majority of our own people in our country will give us credit for right now. We are we are a very except we're an exceptionally good football team just now with players playing at the top level regularly for big clubs, um, and more importantly than all of that, a team spirit that is probably second to none. The way they play and and a team spirit not just with the players on the pitch with the fans. Mm -hmm. That Georgia game uh, was down at the I don't know if you were at the Georgia game at Hampton, but. We're, we're there for hours, obviously, with the with the, the issue and everything like that. And you think the fans would start mm. to get restless and done, but there was such a feeling of togetherness between the fans, um, even the the ball boys that were going out and trying to clear the pitch. There's 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 real momentum. There's a real great feeling, and I am convinced we will win comfortably on Friday night. And I think on Tuesday night. I'll be at Hamden watching Scotland England, and I will be celebrating us qualifying for the Euros on Tuesday night. <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. I thought I think we we're going to have to finish up. That was such an uplifting way to end the podcast that we've never had before. Um, I've to admit, I this game on Tuesday, I I'm struggling very much to care about it in any way. Just even though it's England, yeah. it's a friendly. I just don't care. Um, I might change come Tuesday, but very much care on on Friday, and I very much hope that Ewan's big prediction comes true. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.